Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video series, How to Study the Bible. Or, as I've said before, How to Study the Bible to Find Eternal Truth for Yourself so that the truth can become yours. How do you do that? Well, this is lesson number two of the series, video number three, account in the introduction, and lesson number two. In this lesson, whether it takes five minutes or 30 minutes, however long it takes, uh, the number one goal of this lesson is to establish this fact biblically that the word of God is the final authority in everything. The word of God is the final authority in everything. As a matter of faith, we must believe that God's word is the supreme and final authority over all matters in our lives. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that when your opinion and the word of God are at odds, you choose to believe the word of God. You choose to believe the word of God. That you don't take your opinion over God's opinion. That you don't believe your opinion is true when God, God's opinion says it's not. Because the truth is, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the truth is God's opinion. Now, whose opinion is superior? The one who created all this or this speck of clay on this tiny dot in the expanse of God's universe? My opinion is in somehow superior to or even equal to his opinion? No. So that was the other thing that I prayed kneeling by my bunk all those years ago, that Whatever God's word said is what would become my opinion. That no matter what my, my previous thoughts on a subject would be, when God showed me his opinion on a subject, it wouldn't matter what the government says, what laws say, what society says, what the politically correct say. It does not matter. The word of God is the final authority. Why? Because all things are, everything is held together by the word of God. Everything is founded on the word. Everything was created by the word and everything is held together by the word of God. The word of God is superior to all of that. All of that. <clears throat> I saw a track several years ago, years ago now. Uh, I think it was originally written in the eight, in 1950s or 60s. 100 scientific facts, uh, that are no longer true today. And these 100 scientific facts were believed by the French Academy of Science in the 1850s and 60s. And 100 years later, none of those were believed, none of those facts were believed to be true today. Well, don't you believe in science? Yes. Because the word science means knowledge. And God is the only source of true knowledge. And any knowledge that quote-unquote knowledge that's contrary to what God says is false knowledge. It's a lie. So I believe in true science because true science is always in harmony with the Word of God. Now, I acknowledge that sometimes we don't understand what the Word of God says, 
And so therefore we, 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 we think there's, we, we think there's a conflict between what true science says and what the word of God says, but there's never a contradiction in truth. Truth never contradicts truth. It's just a matter of us not understanding of us not having all the facts yet. So if there's ever a conflict, what am I going to choose to believe? I always choose to stand by what the Word of God says and not what man says. I always choose to stand by that. This is a matter of faith. Well, why didn't God prove that to us? Why? Why? The old statement is this, he that is convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Because knowing truth is really not a matter of knowledge. It's a matter of surrender. God's going to show truth to those who want to know his will. John 7, 17 says, if any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether it be of myself. So if I will to do the will of God, I have a guarantee God is going to get me the truth. He's going to bring me into the truth. He's going to guide me into all the truth. But the condition is this. I've got to make the choice in here to believe what the word of God says. So it's a matter of faith to believe that the word of God is the final authority in all things. That's what the Bible says. I'm going to read to you verses that say that. But I still have to believe what those verses say and say, I believe that, and I make the choice to stand with what those verses say. Without such faith, our hearts cannot be open to the Word of God and His guidance. If I'm only reading the Word of God out of curiosity, I, I'm not going to be able to know the Word. Uh, he's not going to guide me in the truth. He's not going to give me the, uh, he's not going, he's not going to bring the curious to the truth. He brings the hungry to the truth, to the truth. The scripture says in Matthew chapter four, verse four, but he answers said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And what am I hungry for? I'm hungry for bread naturally. What am I hungry for spiritually? I'm hungry for the bread of life, the word of God. He doesn't show truth to the curious. He doesn't show truth to the intellectual. He shows truth to the hungry. He shows truth to the hungry. How important is the word of God? <laughs> it's amazing that the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalms 119. It has 176 verses in it. And what's, what is so amazing when you read that, in some way, every one of those 176 verses in Psalms 119 emphasizes the imperative qualifications of God's word and testifies that attention to the scripture should be the utmost priority in our lives. Yet from one approach or the other, all 176 verses of the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalms 119, tells us how important it is for us to follow the word, to study the word, to seek the word, to believe the word, to submit to the word, to believe that the word of God is the final authority in our life. The, I've already read to you Matthew 4 and 4, but there, uh, the, here are some other verses that uh, will, 
will emphasize to the person who chooses to believe, will emphasize the importance of the word of God. Psalms 19 verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. When the scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not, Jesus spoke a a parallel passage, in my opinion, when he said, if a man shall gain the whole world and lose his soul, what does it profit him? How do those two verses connect together? Buy the truth and sell it not. Why? Because there's no price worth giving up truth. And so if I give up truth to gain the world, there's no profit in it. Because the most valuable thing in this world is the truth of the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, I like sweets. I like sweets. I do. And uh, I like the taste of sweets. And, 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 and honey and the honeycomb. Oh, man, they have some hot, hot biscuit or roll. Put some butter on that. Pour some, pour some honey on that. Oh, 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 is that good? I like it. To go to a, a, re, a Mexican restaurant that's got sopapillas, hot out of the oven, the big puffy kind, and, 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 and open that thing up and pour some honey in there. Ah, oh, that is so good. And yet, the Word of God says that the Word is sweeter than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them of them is there is great reward. If I want to know what's going on in this world, I don't read the newspaper, I read the word. I may follow what's going on to some degree, but if I want to know the truth of what's going on in this world, I have to read the word. I read the word. And if I keep them, there's a great blessing on keeping the word of God. Violating them brings spiritual poverty, and in many ways, it'll bring natural poverty too. But in keeping the word of God, there's great riches for my soul. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults, because the word of God shines light on my soul on the thoughts of my heart. The heart is, Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord says, I, the Lord, search the hearts. I know it. David prayed this way, Lord, uh, search me, O Lord, and know my thoughts. Try me and, and search me, O Lord, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me. And he prayed another place, 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How am I going to, how can those verses be applied to my life? How can I receive that? How can I know those things? By the spirit of the word of the Lord, enlightening the word of God in, in, in my life, shining the light of the word of God in my life. Can I receive those things? Let's, let's now go to second Timothy chapter three, verse 12. Yea, Paul said to Timothy and all that will live Godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The idea that being a Christian will make you exempt from pain, problems, and pressure is a lie from the pits of hell. The idea that God intends for every one of his children to be rich and prosperous is a lie. Paul, uh, John said it this way in one of the epistles. I think it was John, the, the second epistle of John, I think. Might have been the third, but I think it was the second. He said, I would that you would prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. So prosperity in this life is having that, that, that truth that is more valuable than gold and buying the truth and not selling it. That's true spiritual prosperity. Jesus said that poor you'll have with you always. Does that mean they're not believers? If it's the will of God for all of us to prosper, and he said the poor we'd have with us always, what's wrong with them? God doesn't love them equally? No, that's not what the word of God's talking about. He has... He has not promised to make all of us prosperous. If we sow seeds of faith, we'll all be prosperous. That is a perversion of the word of God. Paul said it this way. Some suppose that gain is godliness. But he said, I say unto you that godliness with great contentment, godliness with contentment is great gain. But we got this preached all the time now. Oh, there's churches, churches of thousands of people that are built on that doctrine, the prosperity doctrine. God's going to make you rich. It's a lie. It's a lie from the pits of hell. It's a deception because they're selling the truth. Because that's not what the Word of God teaches. It's not what the Word of God teaches. So he said, all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution." In this world, that's especially the case. Today, if you believe the word of God, you're going to be persecuted. And if the word of God is not truth for you, if you haven't made it truth for yourself, you will not endure those te- those persecutions. And you will compromise your faith, your truth. You will sell out comfort, the, the, the comfort and the, and the blessing of eternity for relief from persecution in this life. If you don't know the truth. If the truth's not that valuable to you, that you're willing to suffer whatever may come your way because of it. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Evil men and seducers. Seducers. What is a seducer? Someone who promises you something they can't really deliver and persuades you they can deliver it so that you pay the price to have what it is they want. And the scripture says they will wax worse and worse. They'll become worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why? 
because no one is any more of effective of a deceiver than the degree to which they're self-deceived. The, the greater a person truly believes their deception, the more effective they will be in deceiving others. And you look, you look and you go, you look at some of the things that people have believed today and you go, how in the world could somebody believe that? Because they're following somebody that believes it with, with all of their heart. They believe deception. Well, that's such a dangerous thing. That's, that's frightening. That's frightening. How can I guarantee that that won't be the case? Because the book says the blind will lead the blind. They're both, both going to fall in the ditch. Well, what's, what are they blind to? The truth of the word of God. Because they didn't know him and they didn't listen to him when they were studying the word and they came out of it with all kind of doctrines that they believed. The Bible says if you don't receive your love for the truth, God's, God's going to send a strong delusion to you that you'll believe a lie and be damned because you didn't receive a love for the truth. Why? What does that mean? How, how is it that I don't have a love for the truth? If I want to please men more than pleasing God, that's not having a, a love for the truth. I don't have a love for the truth. I want to please men more than pleasing God. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. No church can save us. No church's doctrine can save us. Only the word of God can save us. Only the word of God can tell us how to be saved. And any church or any preacher that's preaching to some uh, stuff that we can't find in the word of God for ourselves, we're being, we're being willing to be blind followers of the blind. If I can't go to the word of God and find it for myself and prove it to myself, I'm choosing to be a blind follower. It's not, but, but I trust my preacher. Don't, don't trust me. I've already said in the last lesson, don't trust me in this stuff. I want you to go when you, when you take these lessons and you take the, the, the notes that are going to be available for these lessons, go back to the word of God for yourself. Read it for yourself. Does it say to you what I'm saying it's saying? Study it. Look at it. Because ultimately, my salvation is going to depend on the truth I have. Not the truth my pastor has. Not the truth my church has. The truth I have. Their truth can't save me. The only truth that can save me is my truth. The truth that's become mine because I've gone to the word, word of God and found it for myself. But if I'm, if my truth is just opinion, I'm worse off than them because I'm, I'm willing to be self-deceived. And so Paul told Timothy, you know where you got this. And you know, from, uh, uh, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the word of God may be, the man of God may be perfect. And the word perfect there means complete, entire, lacking nothing, 
thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It is the word of God that equips us. It is the word of God that brings us to maturity. It's the word of God produces fruitfulness through us. It's the word of God that establishes a foundation in us that's going to end up enable us to be saved. And if I'm taking my opinion and using a few verses that seem to say what I'm saying as the foundation for what I believe, and I'm ignoring the scripture because all scripture, every single scripture in the Bible is uh, from God and it is Given it is God breathed out is what that Greek word literally means, inspiration. It's God breathed out. He dictated, somebody wrote it down. He dictated, he breathed it out, somebody wrote it down. I don't trust the Bible. Well, if we can't trust that somebody can write down what the president says, what what judges say, what what CEOs of companies say, what bankers say, if, if... that people don't, don't we, people don't write their own letters. They have they have someone that they dictate this to, and that person is trusted to write it down. And at the bottom of a letter, you'll see two sets of initials. The first set's in caps. There's a slash. There's a second set of initials that are lowercase. The big set is the one who dictated. The the little set is the one who recorded it and wrote it down. The whole, all of government, the entire military, the, uh, the, uh, uh, all of business in this world functions because we trust that somebody is able to speak what they say and mean what they say and that somebody else is able to accurately write it down. So if you say you don't trust the Bible, that it's the word of God, it's full of errors. Well, then don't ever trust anything written by anybody else to you ever again, ever, ever. <laughs> In this day and time, we write it down ourselves and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the app corrects it. And if you don't proofread it before you hit send, you're going to send stuff saying stuff you didn't mean to say. And yet we, we, we receive texts from people all the time. We don't get all up in arms that, well, they didn't mean that. We understand they probably didn't mean that. So we, we and invariably we get their corrections so that they, we know. Same thing with emails and all that stuff. We trust all of that. But we don't trust the Bible. Just looking for excuse, friend. You're just looking for an excuse. You're just trying to justify yourself so you can do your own thing and you live your own way. It's just an excuse. Jesus said in John and in, in Luke uh, uh, 16, ver- beginning with verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest, this is the rich man in hell after he died, and Lazarus uh, was a poor man that sat at his gate each day and begged for the crumbs from the table. He died. But the rich man is saying, uh, he prayed and asked, asked Abraham to send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and and cool his parching tongue because he's tormented in this flame. And, and, and Abraham said he can't come because there's a great guff fixed between whatever. And then the rich man said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So while he acknowledged he couldn't get out of the torment and he wasn't going to get comfort in the torment, 
He wanted somebody to come back from the dead and go testify to his five brothers so that they wouldn't come to this place. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them for dead, they were repent. And Abraham said, no, if they will not, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And the entire New Testament is about one who died, was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven. And the world doesn't believe him. They don't believe him. They don't believe him. So the word of God is expected to save those that will believe. The word of God does that. If I won't believe the word of God, I'm not going to believe miracles. Oh, we need more miracles so people can get saved. No, if I'm not going to believe the word of God, I'm not going to believe the miracles either. They won't affect me. How many thousands of people did Jesus heal? And how many thousands ate bread and fish miraculously multiplied as his hand? And yet, on the day of his ascension, there was barely more than 500 of those thousands there and watched that. And just seven days later, there was only 120 of them present. So if people aren't going to believe the word of God, they're not going to believe the miracles either. John chapter 5, verse 45 says, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There's one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? You can't believe Jesus if you're not going to believe the word of God. If you're not going to believe the word of God, you're not going to believe Jesus. If you're not going to believe the word of God, you're not going to believe Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you receive, and wherein you stand, by which also you're saved. If you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what we have, have to believe in the beginning to even begin to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And where do we find out about that today? In the Word of God. Even if that means the, there's a preacher preaching to us that. If he is preaching to us of the Word of God, from the Word of God, by the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, and we hear that and believe we can be saved, that will lead us to salvation. But it all comes from the Word of God. Peter said it this way, verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also, we have also a short, more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in darkness, unto the day dawn of the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of private, any private interpretation, for prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, Peter's referring here 
to the Mount of Transfiguration experience where he, where he and James and John went up the mount with Jesus and they fell asleep and they woke up and there was Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. And they heard a voice from heaven say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. They heard the audible voice of the Spirit of God speak to them. And Peter then says, we have a also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. If I could just hear an audible voice. Well, some have heard an audible voice of God. I have not heard it external to me. I've heard it internally many, many times, thankfully. Uh, but I've never heard it external to me. And if I could just hear an extra, an audible voice, really? Peter said, we have a more sure word than an audible voice. We have the word of God that was written down for us. And it has to be interpreted in the light of all of the word of God. And, and I'm moving on now to finish out this lesson. Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Now that's exactly, practically speaking, on a day by day, by day hour by hour, minute by minute, moment by moment basis, that's what the word of God is supposed to be to me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If I let his word shine its light on my life, his word will shine a light on the practical experiences of my life and let me see this is of me, this is not of me. This is me, this is not me. Follow this, don't follow this. That is what God has promised us. And then also in uh, in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. If I despise the reproof of the word of God, if I despise the word of God reproving me, correcting me, instructing me, I will not have life. I do not have life. Jesus said it, and I'm just referring to it, not reading it, from Hebrews chapter 12, that we should consider him who has endured such contradictions and sinners against himself. Looking, We should look to Jesus so we can endure these things. He said, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, because everybody that's chastened has a father. Correction from God is his fatherhood. If I despise the correction, I'm an illegitimate child. I don't have a father. When I reject the word of God, I reject the fatherhood of God in my life. And now I'm an illegitimate child, a fatherless child. And then finally, John chapter 7, verse 37 says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Many people say they have faith in God today. But that's not faith in God. 
the only faith in God that God expect, accepts is faith that is guided by, produced by, qualified by what the scripture has said. If I don't believe on him, in him, as the scripture hath said for me to believe, then I'm not saved. It is possible to believe in God and yet not believe in God as the scripture hath said. And it's not, it's not enough. James chapter 2, uh, the apostle James was very clear that there are those who say they have faith, but they have no works that confirm that their faith is of God. The scripture says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Not all faith is equal. Not all faith is equal. Some faith God rejects, some faith God accepts. What's the determining factor? Faith that is a product of the word of God, that is submitted to the word of God, that is subject to the word of God, that is under the authority of the word of God, is the only faith that God accepts. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today that you receive this word from the Father that you would let God put this kind of faith, confidence, surrender, and submission to the authority of his word in your life so that as you study the word, you're not looking for excuses to be who and what you want to be, but you're looking for instruction to become what God is trying to make you to be that pleases him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray this spirit of grace upon you Amen.